Hi, I'm Mindy. And I'm Tara. And we are Two Two Citizen Citizen Moms. Moms. Thanks for joining us again today in our little corner of the internet. We um, have a special episode today for you. And we would like to also bring attention to a call to action that we feel is something that uh, is happening across the country right now. Yeah, so we've been talking about all of the medical hearings that are going on around the country with all of the state legislatures opening up their floor for medical professionals to come forward and discuss what's going on inside the hospitals. Yeah, the North Carolina hospitals are becoming killing fields based on the conversations and phone calls that we've been getting. Yeah, so in the past couple weeks especially, we have had dozens of medical professionals reaching out to us, letting us know that their licenses are being threatened for prescribing ivermectin, and they have been told by hospital administrators in pretty much all of the large hospital systems in North Carolina. Not to speak against the CDC protocols. Yeah, and that they are not allowed to use the FLCCC protocols, including ivermectin, budesonide, and the, you know, multi-therapy approaches. Report anything to VAERS. Yep, and so um, we said, you know what, it is time. We have been asking since mm, spring right? March, April of this year for the General Assembly to begin holding medical freedom hearings so that we could have conversations about everything that we knew was coming, right? From the vax mandates to the suppression of the therapeutics that was happening even with hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. I mean, we have a majority, right, of Republicans we do. House. We and have a Republican majority in both the House and the, and Senate, the Senate in North Carolina. So, so what? What? Why haven't we had these hearings in North Carolina? And we're seeing them everywhere. Well, else? we've not only not had the hearings, but our Republicans have killed every single bill that we have brought forward that would have protected all of you guys out there that have been reaching out to us because you're losing your jobs due yeah. to the vax do you mandates. Remember, um, H. 558. And then we had H572. And uh, Republicans successfully killed both of those bills. So we are where we are. And permanently put masks on us. Yeah, that was, uh, let's see, they suspended uh, the state's anti-mask law, helping Cooper to mask us with Senate Bill 232. And then we had, we always talk about 1043, which implemented permanent communist public health policy, testing, tracking, and tracing in the state of North Carolina. And that one has no sunset. So this one's here to stay, folks. So if you know which side of the line that you stand on by now, I would hope after a year and a half of this, medical workers as well, we need you on our call to action, which we will give you a template on Monday. So you can look for that on our website as well as on our Telegram page for you to start contacting them to demand that we get our medical freedom hearings for our health professionals to start to start standing front and center, exposing what is happening in our state and North Carolina. Yeah, and it's going to be the only way that we're actually going to be able to save lives because as we all know, the only thing that the hospitals are allowing physicians to prescribe in the state of North Carolina once someone is sick enough to go into the hospital is remdesivir. Which is giving us kidney failure. 50% mortality rate once you go on it, right? Absolutely. Whereas ivermectin is seeing 100% success rates in other states. However, North Carolina is among the states that are not allowing this because God forbid we actually save lives. And we'll link that in our show notes as well as you can find the white papers to all of this documentation that has been going on with the lab results and the CDC coming out and Pfizer recognizing this. All of the above, you can find that on thehighwire.com as well. Yeah, and if you haven't been keeping up with the South Carolina hearings, they have just had some amazing out of the ballpark 
medical professionals, doctors and nurses mm-hmm. speaking out about what is going on and how their licenses are being threatened and how this needs to change. So that said, our call to action is going to be pretty simple. We're going to ask you to get in touch with both Speaker Tim Moore and the Senate Majority Leader, Phil Berger, who I like to call Phil Nothing Burger because he has done nothing for the people of the state of North Carolina. Our health committee. And, and everyone on the Senate Health Committee and the health committee over there in the House, as well as your own personal representatives and senators and reach out demanding that they begin to hold these public health hearings where our medical professionals can speak out like they are in other states. And acknowledge the deaths that are happening when they aren't prescribing the ivermectin and Mm -hmm. the protocols that are life-saving and the therapies that have... And the way their licenses are being threatened if they actually do prescribe the ivermectin. We also need our legislators to start hearing from the vaccine injured people that are reaching out to us and for those that have lost loved ones following the vaccines. The conversation about the the vaccine genocide has to be had and it needs to be had publicly. So if you have loved ones or you have someone that has passed away, we would also like your story and we would like you to get in touch with us as well on that front. And speaking of vaccine injured, we have a special episode for you today with a teen, a local teen. We spoke with her and her mother. Mm-hmm. We first read about her when we um, actually picked up her story in the Defender yes. RFK's uh, paper that the Children's Health yep, Defense that runs the stories for Children's Health Defense, and we're shocked when we realized that the story took place at the the hospital here in Smithfield, North Carolina, right. Johnston County. So, um, and we reached out to her on her Facebook page, and we had an interview with her and her mother. Yeah, and um, it was it was heartbreaking, but we feel like it's a worthwhile interview. It's necessary for parents to actually sit and um, hear from both the perspective of a teen who pursued these injections, not necessarily with any kind of informed consent or the, the actual blessing of her parents. And of course, the events that have unfolded in the days since then, so. Well, and also knowing that knowledge is power and sometimes parents who thought that they were, giving advice to their children that mm-hmm. might have been for the greater good they didn't really know mm-hmm. all the information because we know that a lot of this has been censored so we've been pretty taken aback by how much people don't know yeah and how much what you don't know can hurt you yeah. and so um stay tuned it's going to be a tough interview to listen to but um it's definitely going to be worth your time and we're hoping that it'll spotlight the issues that we have in the state of north carolina with informed consent For those of you that haven't listened to previous podcasts, we do live in a state where uh, children can decide for themselves whether or not they want to be vaccinated. And um, at least over age 12, though there's some controversy whether it can happen to younger children, a parent does not have to be present. Present, Or they don't even ask for identification, which Mm -hmm. you'll hear more on that. And a parent doesn't even have to give signed permission in order for children to be vaccinated. And of course, this isn't limited just to the COVID-19 injections. So, And where there is risk, there should be choice. Absolutely. And there absolutely should be informed consent. And of course, that's not happening even with older people when they're going to get these injections. So that's why we're asking you to come forward if you're in the healthcare profession, if your business is pushing this on you, or if you have loved ones that have had adverse effects or anyone that has died in your life, we need to start tallying this up and getting it out in the public. And we need to hear your stories. We have a platform that we will share it and we are going to the General Assembly. We will be in front of them. We will do it one more time on behalf of North Carolina citizens because we love each and every one of you, especially 
our precious children. We are fighting for our next generation. So stay tuned. Okay, so we have two very special guests with us today. We've got Sarah and Sarah's mom with us. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. And full disclosure, we actually read your story, Sarah, in The Defender. We follow Children's Health Defense really closely. And um, when we read that your experience started out in Smithfield, North Carolina, we looked at each other and went, You're our neighbor. Oh my goodness, we need to track her down. And so um, thank you so much for agreeing to sit down and talk to us today and share your story. Thank you for having us. Yeah, so we're going to just go ahead and, um, and jump in. Yeah, we want to ask you, I guess, just from um, the onset of your experience with uh, your symptoms that you have had, to say very mildly, from um, your experience and why you're sitting here with us today. Yeah, so just, just to back up, yeah. very, very first question, how old are you? I'm 16 years old. You're 16. Mm-hmm. And um, your story in The Defender is all about your experience with the COVID-19 vaccines. Yes. And can you tell us which one you got? I got Pfizer. You got Pfizer. Yes. And one dose or two? Two. Both two. of them. Okay. And so take us to um, the very beginning of your story. Um, what caused you at 16 years old to pursue a COVID-19 shot? Well, I was working on the front lines and I had a lot of people um, like around me that were high risk because we had elderly people working with me. And what's the front lines? Are you in the food industry? industry. I was working at Chick-fil-A. So we had some elderly staff and um, this is going to sound really funny, but um, Krispy Kreme was offering a free dozen donuts Mm -hmm. every week if you got the vaccine. We've heard that. So you're a donut lover. Yes. There it is. Well, and there were so many other incentives. That's just kind of the one that like pops out in my head. That's like, when you're a teen, right? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Get some donuts. Me and my friend, me and my best friend, actually, we went to go get it together. And we were both like, yeah, we can like switch off days where we get donuts and we can just share them. So you basically plan on living on donuts for the rest of your life after, you know, or at least a year. Yeah. You get it for a year. Okay. <laughs> well, right. we were working minimum wage jobs. So yeah. we were like, donuts. Well, it sounded good. And, and we, it was always a thing for us, too, that we would go to Krispy Kreme and get the hot donuts, and we would eat a dozen donuts before we got home. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, we will be doing an, a donut intervention with these ladies <laughs> after the show. <laughs> a, de- a detox for sure. <laughs> so that was a big incentive. Yeah. And then you were mm-hmm. sort of feeling a little bit of pressure from, you know, that you're supposed to... Uh, protect care, other people protect yeah. other people you yeah. care yeah yeah and so did you know anything prior to going in and and taking your first shot had you done any reading did you know anything at all about these vaccines um did you have any fear any trepidation you know what or is talk to your mom yeah. a little bit ahead of time try to bounce that off of her that you were thinking about it well, I had mentioned it to my mom, but her thing was that, like, she was apprehensive about it, but she would let me make the decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had only really heard about, like, the flu-like symptoms for a couple of days afterwards, um, like the headache, the, um, like, congestion, things like that. Soreness. Yeah. So and you've been vaccinated before. Oh, yeah. I've had all my vaccinations up to date. So it's not like you're one of these anti-vaxxers that seems to float around after you start speaking out, you know. No, like I've had all my vaccinations and like I wasn't I wasn't nervous about the after effects. I was more so like, oh, there's going to be a needle in my arm. But as soon as it was done, I was like, OK, we're going to go to Starbucks. We're going to go hang out like that was that. OK, so first 
first shot you got? Do you remember the date? Um, it was April 27th, I believe. Of, of this year? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, it was before that because your May second 4th? shot was May the 4th. May 4th. Okay. Uh, so it was like... April the... I think it was April April the 7th. Okay. Might have been, yeah. Okay, so first shot, you leave. Do you have any side effects? My arm was just sore afterwards, but it was fine. Like, I went to work afterwards and everything. Okay. And so you worked a full day afterwards? I never got sick off of that. Okay. I never got sick off the first shot. Okay. So um, you know that you're signing up to get two doses. Yes. And you were told, let's just talk a little bit about when you went in. Because it's mm-hmm. to us, it's really important that everybody understands informed consent and what you're actually going to be staring down when you go in there for yeah. one of these shots. So you go in. And what's the process look like? Does anybody do an evaluation? Yeah. Yeah. Walk us through when you walk in the door. You walk in the door, you go to the back pharmacy, um, you tell them, hey, there's usually like a specific line for like, um, it says vaccinations and Mm -hmm. stuff. So you go through there. Um, they asked if you have already had your first vaccination. I said no, and they hand me a form to fill out. So I Where is this? Is this at a, a pharmacy? CVS. It's a CVS. Yeah. Okay. So I filled out all the information, um, handed it back to them, and then um, it took like three or four minutes, and then they called my name to go get the shot. So then they just asked me like which arm I wanted the shot in, and then they went ahead and did it. Did they ask you any questions at all about, you know, have you previously had COVID? How, how are you today? Any symptoms of fever? Um, did they ask you to show ID? Was there in, any conversation about your health status prior to you taking the injection? So they did ask if I was around anyone who had tested positive or if I had tested positive, but they didn't ask for my ID or anything. Um, they just like asked me for my date of birth and then just went on from there. And you are 16. I am 16. Okay. But you are you look very young. Yeah. 16. So <laughs> yeah. she could very well pass for 15 or very even petite. 14. Yeah. Very petite. Yeah. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> and so so all of that said, did that surprise you that you was this the first time you had ever taken a vaccine without your mom or dad present? Definitely. And it kind of took me by surprise because I actually called my mom while I was sitting there because I was like, hey, like, do you think that I'm going to need you to come here and sign off for it? Because we didn't really know. And then I handed them back the paperwork and then they just went ahead. And they just took your word. Yeah. No, no ID, nope. no consent form by mom, none of it. Nope. Yeah. Didn't go over your history of any adverse effects or no. didn't tell you, here's the risks. Here are some of the things that, let me tell you that you're at 99.999% of recovering, even if you caught COVID. And uh, your age group is not even affected. Would you have possibly maybe walked away? Uh, definitely, if I had known the side effects, like things like this, I would would have definitely been like, I'm gonna pass. Like, it's not worth it. But I wasn't informed of that. Did they tell you that you were taking any risks at all? Did they enumerate? I mean, did they talk to you even about things like anaphylaxis or the more known adverse events? Nope. None um, of it. They pretty much just said that I would have flu-like symptoms for a couple of days and then I was done. Wow. Okay, so now here we go to get your second shot. So it was the same process. You just walk in, walk to the pharmacy section, you hand them Pull the Pull your ID. Kind of um, like your little card. Do you have a my, vax card our now? Our vaccination card. We show that to them so that they see that we had the first dose. We go in, get the second shot. Um, we have to sit there for 15 minutes, and then we're allowed to leave. Wow. And so what happens after that? Um, well, How are you feeling? After that, I on the drive home, I started having this horrible headache. And I'm not used to having headaches at all. I usually don't get them. Um, so I got home. You were at work, weren't you? Yeah, that? so... Um, I got I got home. She was asleep, and she had she had actually laid down when she got home. She was feeling bad, 
So I got home, and I always, whenever I, whenever I come in, I always holler, little, mm-hmm. you know. And so, so she came out of her room, and she was holding the back of her head, the back of her neck. And, um, and in 16 years, had you ever seen her walk out of a room holding the back of her neck? I'll be honest with you, I had never seen her look that bad. Gotcha. Um, I mean, but, you know, she looked like she had just woke up. Mm-hmm. She was a little bit pale. I knew that they had said flu-like symptoms, um, headaches. I knew that they had said that. So mm-hmm. it was like you expected that to possibly be. I expected yeah. it, but she did look like, you know, because what her words were, I feel like I've been hit by a bus. And this was within hours. Right. Within this was hours. the same. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so I gave her an ibuprofen, said, take this, go lay back down, you know, and um, so she did. And then a little while later, it was probably not even an hour later, she came back out and she said, I can't sleep. My head hurts. And every time that she says that, she holds the back of her, of her head or her neck. And so I was sitting on the couch and she laid on the couch and I was rubbing her head and, um, she shuddered and I said, what was that? And she said, must've been just a cold chill. I think I just got a cold chill. Well, I knew that chills were part, also part of the side effects. Mm -hmm. So I didn't think anything of that either. Um, but the headaches and these shutters um went on for it was 19 days before it really blew up on us so tell us about the 19 day mark what is it that changed on day 19 (laughs) so so um we were out having an ordinary day that day i assume as ordinary as you can um so I was with one of my friends, actually. We had, like, hung out all day. Um, and he had mentioned, like, a small facial twitch that he had noticed. And I was like, okay, nothing really big. Um, Which so, I can see just because no one can see you right now. You're yeah. you're you're moving the whole time well, that we're, we're speaking with you right now. We can physically mm-hmm. see your injury, even yeah. though a lot of people are thinking, oh, she sounds great right now. Yeah. Well, your head hasn't stopped moving since yeah. we've met, yeah. since you've come here to see us. Right. And, and to back up one day, so to the 18th day, mm-hmm. I was in the kitchen and it was probably 10 or 11 o'clock at night. I know it was late at night. And she came in and said that she had a, I've got a weird twitch in my neck. Mm. And I looked and, and I couldn't see anything. I didn't see it, but she could feel it. Like it's jumping. Yeah. yeah. And, and I it thought, was like one maybe every like 15, 20 minutes. And so I it thought big. that it was like your eye twitching. You, know, you get, you get yeah. tired and your, your eye, eye twitches. twitches. Right. And I said, well, you're probably tired. Just go to bed. You know, that, that was my thing, you know. And um, so the, the 19th day, um, she because she was out of school and she was home during the day. Um, we would always call each other, and um, just to you know, hey, what are you doing? And little and I had this thing where she'll call me and she knows I'm at work, <laughs> and she'll say, "What are you doing?" I said, and I'll say, "I'm making biscuits, little. <laughs> what do you think I'm doing?" You know, and so we we had that conversation, and and I and I always look back to that. Because everything seemed so normal, and that was the last real normal day that we had. Um, because so she was with her friends that her friend that morning, and then her and her dad were going to go to the mall, and um, so I got off work and um, 
I was at home and and I get a call saying that I need to go to the emergency room. And so I I didn't know what had happened, uh, you know, because everything seemed so normal yeah. when I talked to her that morning. And then even she had called me that afternoon and, and it still seemed like everything was fine. And um, he told me that he had taken her to the emergency room in Smithville, which was odd to me because none of us are real crazy about that hospital, yeah. you know? And so I I couldn't figure out why he took her there, but I, I just wanted to get there and find out what was going on. So I walked in and they were sitting against a wall and she had her hoodie, her hood pulled over her head at that point. So I didn't really see it at first. And I said, what's going on? And she was trying to answer me and um, she couldn't talk. She was, I, I don't want to say stuttering because it wasn't stuttering. It was like her brain would, like she would start the word and her brain would hit a reset button and mm-hmm. she would start back at the beginning of the word and it was, and then her head was twitching and I said, what is going on? And, and I guess I don't know. And, um, they were just in the middle of a conversation. And yes, that's, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. They were in a conversation and she said that, you know, throughout that day, she had noticed the twitches, but, but he hadn't noticed until the stuttering and, and everything just started really right in the middle of talking. Yeah. Right. And were you aware of the fact that you were not completing sentences and you were not, your words were not as coming soon as out. it happened did you know i became aware but at first uh i didn't really notice it until it like progressively got worse and worse and i was like why and can't your dad I not recognized it? it right yeah mm-hmm. so me and my dad before we went to the hospital me and my dad were talking and he had noticed the twitch but like i said it was like one every maybe 15 minutes and then it progressively got like more common so i had like two or three in the span of having a 10 minute conversation with him, which wasn't a big deal. He just thought it was a nervous twitch, like something. But just to be clear, you do not have a history of Tourette's or or twitching or any kind of neurological. No. And I was also having like the best summer of my life. Mm -hmm. I was like, I, I I was having a really good time. It was a lot of fun. Like you were was, having a lot of donuts. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And I was hanging out with friends, and I was like getting out, and I was like, working. she got her first car. She was a yeah. week away from getting her driver's license. Gotcha. So I was like at the best mentally that I have been. Yeah. So like I said, and boxing. And boxing. And I was boxing. Yeah. 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 She's a boxer. She's small but mighty. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, me and my dad were talking, and then. Um, my dad said, okay, well, it's probably just some nervous twitch. Like, we'll see if it gets worse. So we went to the Dollar General right down the road from us because he had to go grab something. And he was like, we'll just get out of the house, just see how you feel, and then maybe we can go He to was the trying mall. to distract you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then um, on the way back is when it, like, my neck started – it almost felt like my neck was locked and the twitches were, like, bouncing, but I couldn't move my neck down. Wow. It was, like, locked upwards. And I was stuttering, and at first, I didn't really notice that I was stuttering, or like like my mom said, where it was like restarting, until it got to where I was like, why can't I complete the sentence? Why can't I finish like what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, and so, um, because he lives in Smithfield, and that's where they were, was in right. Smithfield, he just turned around and went to the nearest hospital. So you get inside, you get to see a doctor, and you're filling out paperwork, and they're telling you... 
Right. Has anything changed? And you're basically going through a list of things, I'm assuming, like, have you changed your no, detergent? they didn't or ask no? us that there. Oh, okay. They didn't ask us that at Wake Med. I mean, at um, Johnson So they Memorial. didn't ask you any of that? No, so the doctor first... came in. Um, they had her sitting out in the waiting room, and I was not okay with that because I knew that something was horribly wrong at this point. We were mm-hmm. out there for, what, an hour? Uh, you were, yeah. I, because it took me about 30 minutes to get to her. And now, what is it that's going through your mind at this point? Are you thinking, I think maybe she's having a seizure? I think me, or are you, are you starting to think maybe somehow this is connected? No. no. You're not. Mm-hmm. No. But whatever it is, you know that it's serious. Something's wrong. Something's wrong I with, her, it, with her brain. Yes. Because something. Honestly, I, I was thinking brain tumor. I was mm-hmm. thinking, you know, right. a blood clot. I mm-hmm. was I mean, I just didn't know. I, you know, I was thinking aneurysm. I mean, yeah. you know, so um, I went to the desk and I'm like, hey, somebody needs to see her. I mean, like, this is not her. Something's wrong. Somebody needs to see her. So they took us to the back and um, they had her lay on the bed. And the doctor comes in and he has two, I guess, interns with him. Um, and he looks her over and... He's, you know, kind of like, well, I don't know, you know. And at this point, like I said, we're we're not thinking vaccine. We don't know what's going on. It's because it just Never hit us out of the blue. No. Yeah. So he he says, does she have tremors anywhere else? And we said no, and because we were only looking at her head. Mm-hmm. And he said, what about her foot? And we said, no, her feet are fine. And then he took her shoe off, and he had seen that her right foot was also involved, and it was moving exactly to the to her head. And I hadn't even noticed it. I didn't know what was going on. Right. So it was moving at the exact same time. Right. So yeah. they, yeah. It's, it's rhythmic. rhythmic. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So um, they gave her Adirax through an IV um, and they were just trying to calm, I think calm all of us down really at that point, you know, but um, he... He was asking us, had she fallen? Had she suffered any head injury? Had she been hit in the head? Um, and, and we said no. We, none of that had happened. Did the Adirax do anything to actually calm the rhythmic twitching or the... No, it just no. asleep. Like she still had the tremors when she in was asleep. Sleep. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the, they didn't tell us that night that they did not have a pediatric neurologist. They waited until in the morning. And they said, we don't have a pediatric neurologist here. And I'm like, well, then why did you not tell us this last night? Because we could have taken her somewhere somewhere else. else. And so I said, we're just going to take her. We're just going to take her somewhere else. And then he said, well, I don't know that we can release her like that. And I said, you're going to release her like that. We're going to take her somewhere else. Yeah. So... They and finally you told they released them where her. You were going and they didn't really give you any guidance when you said no. We, we're we told them we were going to take them to Wake Med, uh-huh. and so we took her to Wake Med. Um, we left. We left Johnson Memorial, went directly to Wake Med, and we got her there. They set us in the waiting room again, and it just didn't seem like a big deal to anybody but mm-hmm. us. And so we get to Wake Med. They they put her in a an emergency room room where we ended up staying all three days that we were there. You walk in, they give you a sheet of paper, you and... Right, so my father. so her father and I, um, when when we went in, they said, okay, what has changed? We were standing out in the hallway, and they were working on her, and they said, okay, here's this piece of paper. Can you fill it out? 
tell us what has changed. And it was actually like three three or four pieces of paper. Mm-hmm. But it had laundry detergent, dish detergent, shampoo, uh, bath soaps, all of those things on there. So they're looking for an environmental cause to what's going on with her neurology. Right. They're, they're thinking it's an allergic reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, so we... So we filled it out, and and at the bottom it says other. Well, the only thing that we could come up with that had changed in her whole life was that she got this vaccine. Mm-hmm. So we went back into to the room. The doctor was talking to us, and um, we stepped back out in the hallway, and he says, uh, we, he goes over the list, and he goes, so nothing has changed. And I said, well, no. I mean, she got the vaccine. That, so he's reading the paper. Yeah. And he says, nothing has changed. Right. So he says, nothing's changed. And I said, well, no. I mean, she got the vaccine. And uh, and then he says. I said, so when you say could that, it be we'll, the vaccine? Uh-huh. I said, she got the vaccine, so could it be the vaccine? And... He says, uh, and now, now to back up just a minute, when we were in the room, he had said he had no idea what this was because we were trying to get an answer. Did he at least seem concerned? Like, no. He did not? Okay. No. Not at any time did anybody seem concerned. I'll be honest, nobody did. It, it sounds to me almost like they've already been seeing this mm-hmm. and they have come to an indifference or they right. just are, it's robotic. It's becoming, it's a party line. It is a party line that we just need to push it back out. Mm-hmm. Right. To... So, so I said, you know, um, do you think it's a vaccine? And he said, no, 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 it's not the vaccine. We can't blame everything on the vaccine. And, and so he that's was right angry. There. So that sounds like they've already had this, just that statement alone, don't you think, Tara? Yeah, because you weren't trying to blame everything on the vaccine. No, you were trying to ask, yes. could it have been the vaccine? That but it sounds like other people other must people have been in front of him. It. They yeah. must have been in front of him before. And you said he got visibly angry. Yes, he was angry when I said it. He said, no, no, no. We can't blame everything on the vaccine. It's not the vaccine. And then you and say, I said, you just told me that you have no idea what this is, but you're telling me it's not the vaccine. And, and you're I'm looking for you, something that has changed. And I told him, yeah, I said, I'm you know, you if, something that's changed. if I had said that the laundry, we had changed laundry detergents, yeah. then you would have said, well, there it is. It's, it's the laundry, laundry detergent. detergent. But I'm saying the only thing that's changed is a vaccine, and you're saying absolutely not, it's not the vaccine. Okay, so you don't have any experience being the mom that doesn't vaccinate. So, so in that situation, was this the first time that you had ever had firsthand experience with ways, the way someone in the medical profession typically responds when you attempt to have a vaccine absolutely. conversation? Absolutely. Did it shock you? Were you- it, it shocked me. Okay. And- no, it didn't. It not only shocked me, it scared me. Yeah, because no, it, you feeling, were being heard. It was like all of a sudden when he got angry, I was like, "Okay, what is going on?" Because now, if I wasn't suspecting the vaccine, now I'm suspecting the vaccine because mm-hmm. your reaction is letting me know that something is not right mm-hmm. about this. Yes, and that was it. You know, I mean, I had she was fully vaccinated. I've never had a problem with vaccinating her. You know, it was even, your intuition at that point kicking yes, in? Yes, mm-hmm. because it was the way that he answered it, mm-hmm. and just he he went from zero to a hundred in in two seconds. And so you then did what? So um, he walked away, and he walked down by the nurses' station, 
And I said, I just want another doctor. Mm -hmm. I I don't want him back in there. And by the way, if you're listening to this, what Marie did was spot on. You always ask for another doctor. You you, can definitely fire anybody before you that you do not agree with and ask for someone else. Right. And that's kind of what we did. You know, I mean, I I don't have a problem if if we're paying for your services Mm -hmm. and you're looking after my child and you come at me that way, I don't want you back in there with my child. That's right. So um, they sent in then a, a woman doctor, mm-hmm. and um, she came in, and she was the one who ordered the EEG, the, the MRIs, with and without contrast. Now, she didn't come in until the next day because he, the, the original doctor was in there late that afternoon. So she didn't come in until the next morning. And was now, this a pediatrician, yeah. neurologist, or member? No, because Wake Med said that they also did not have pediatric neurologists. But had they observed her symptoms at Wake Med strongly enough that they they were at least, you know, listening to you say something's wrong here and then they're sort of seeing it for themselves versus we're just gonna run these tests to get you out of here. Did did they seem to to I, recognize that something was going on with her that was outside the sphere of normal? I don't think so. You don't I, I don't nobody seemed Again, nobody seemed concerned. Uh, they were acting like, especially after we asked about the vaccine, it was like, at that point, everybody was just trying to get us out. Mm-hmm. That was it. And so they, this doctor came in, she looked at her and she just said, we're going to order these tests. And so she did. But the same sort of rhythmic twitching and it pulsing. Was the exact same it's thing you're it's like okay. Well, um, it was actually it was, a worse. It was worse in okay. there because when she gets nervous or stressed, mm-hmm. it gets worse. Right. And so um, it was a lot more pronounced when we were at the hospital. Gotcha. Um, so she ordered the tests. They um, that they kept her on an EEG for twenty four hours because it it was one that they ran a long one and then it had a camera to watch her movements and all that stuff. So, and then the next morning, which was our last day there, they um, ordered the MRIs with and without contrast. Now, the problem with having an MRI with contrast is that she has to be put to sleep because she cannot be still. Well, either MRI, she ha- she can't be still. Mm-hmm. Um, right, she was moving even in her sleep. Yeah. Right, right. right. Mm-hmm. So they, they could not get her to be still. So they gave her propofol. Well, when they did that... Mm. She was in the MRI machine, and because they had to give her so much to get her to stop moving, she quit breathing. And so they, um, you know, they come and get us and say, she's in recovery. And I hear her saying, where's my mom? Where's my mom? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so we go back there, and as we're going back, the nurse says, oh, by the way, um, we had a problem. When she was in the MRI machine, she quit breathing on us. But we put a nasal trumpet, which is basically to get her to breathe again and to put air through that. And so they did. And she said, but as soon as we did it, she started breathing. Everything's fine. No problem. So, um, of course, we were concerned, you know, but I'm but she's flailing around and wanting her mama. And I'm like, baby, I'm right here. And she was already uncomfortable, I think, on her head. Right. Because they had done the EEG and um, 
when they took the bandages off, they realized that the glue had burned her head. And she still has scars to this day. She I has bald that. spots. I, I had bald spots on my, like, my scalp. Um, and those haven't grown back or anything. Because right. they, when they used the glue, they had to scrub my skin and then apply the glue. And it burned me. And I was complaining that night about... I was like crying because I was like, this hurts. This is not normal. And they were like, oh, it's fine. So when they took it off... Um, they so had they weren't even recognizing you were having a reaction to the no, skin no. and the allergic reaction right and then. Do they, they apologize? When they... they took it off, they did. Um, they had they actually had to pull in the EEG technician to come in and look at it, and they were like, "Oh, I'm so sorry. This should have never happened." And we were like, "And no did they kidding. say? Did they actually acknowledge? Oh, you actually may be allergic to the glue. That there there was a I don't skin think that they reaction. Said that. No. no, I don't think that they said that. <laughs> wow. I, I was so because at the time that they took it off, to be honest, I was yeah. so mad because. Because she had it on, so um, when they brought the person in mm-hmm. to say, hey, you know, oh, sorry, that shouldn't have happened. And I was like, you know, I just want to, I just want to get this done. Just, just do what you got to do. But, but you're seeking medical treatment and, and you've already been told in order to, to look at her, we literally caused her to stop breathing. Oops. But we figured yeah. that out. And but now we no problem. Well, the reason that I was so mad at the point that they took it off is because it was two hours after she had the MRI. Oh, wow. And two hours after she had the MRI and she quit breathing, um... The doctor comes in and says, we're going to send her home. And I said, what? wait a minute. She quit breathing in the MRI. And just going to go home. And the doctor said, well, um, we think it, it was probably just the sedative. So don't you think there's time to get the sedative out of her system no. to see if there's anything? She had not had that, time to, to get the sedative I was still out. In we need sleep to sleep uh, on the way home. Yeah, that we could observe her and make sure she's okay. She's already having yeah. neurological problems. Right. But they're wanting to send her home, yeah. and and you're you have to be saying wait 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 what not only not only not enough time has gone by but what's the diagnosis? Do we have a diagnosis yes. here? Yes. Okay. So, so 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 tell us about that. So so when the nurse, so when the doctor came in, she said um, she said you know we're going to send her home, and I said what what are you talking about? I I don't have anything to intubate her at home, mm-hmm. and she said well it's probably just a sedative. She'll be fine, and I'm like she hasn't even had time to. To get out of her system. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's still not even awake, you mm-hmm. know. And so she said, well, you know, she'll be fine. And she walked out. And But she sent another doctor who had not seen her this whole time we were in there. Another doctor in there to say, you know what? It's just a nervous tick and she needs to see mental health. Okay, no, wait, just, just to back up right here. I've been thinking about this as we've been mm-hmm. sitting here. If this were a mental health issue, why would it have taken so much sedative to get you to stop moving? Absolutely. Because once you you became unconscious, if it were mental health, it would have resolved, right? Correct. And did did you have the presence of mind at the time to ask that question? I did not. I was so so upset and so scared. And were you angry? Yes. (laughs) Yes. I was very angry. And... That a lot of times does not go well. Um, I tend to react before I think it through. So that uh, so when they took the the uh, they were they were taking everything off of her to send her home. Mm-hmm. And now she's got chemical burns on her forehead. She's got chemical burns okay. in her scalp. Yeah. 
she's two hours from having had to be intubated to get her breathing again. And you're being told, oh, this is all in her head and you're sending me home. Yes. So yes. what happens next? So we got in the hallway because they were getting her ready to go home. And um, we got in the hallway and the doctor who said that it was a mental health issue with her is at the nurse's station and he's writing the the orders for her to leave and I said are you seriously going to send her home and he said she needs mental help and so then I was upset does anything come back up about this vaccination at this point in a conversation I asked him I said I said so so you guys are telling me that it's mental it's not the vaccine doesn't have anything to do with the vaccine and he said, no, it doesn't have anything to do with the vaccine. Now, had they run any kind of blood work, lab work? Did they do a D-dimer? Did they do we, any of the labs that would have helped to determine whether or so, not this could have been vaccine-related? So they did a D-dimer. Okay. I, I mean, I'm sorry. No. They, I, I apologize. They did not do a they D-dimer. Did they did regular lab tests. Okay. And did all of her labs come back perfectly? As far as we know. Okay. Did you ever show them to us? No. Okay. They never showed them to us. And and I asked for them to be sent to me. You should still be able to get them. And um, they never sent them to us. And so... That's very suspicious in itself right there. Yeah. And then you asked for a D-dimer, didn't you, at some point? So so what happened? So I, I... we were out in the hallway. I was talking to him and I said, I don't think had I brought any other child before this vaccine, had I brought her in here before that, that you would be sending her home today. Mm-hmm. I just don't understand how you can do this. And you haven't even had a neurologist look at her because you told me you don't have one. Mm-hmm. And he said, ma'am, he said, you know, that, I, I, here's a list of mental health professionals. I know that's not what you want to hear. But this, this is what I think you need to do. And I said, so she's not even going to see a neurologist. Did you explain to him that she has no history whatsoever of mental health issues? Yes. That, that literally five weeks earlier, this was a completely healthy kid. That was my thing is I said, you know, I don't understand. I mean, she, she wasn't sick. She, there's, not, there's been nothing wrong with her until this. She went to Starbucks and after And that was the shop. first time. Yeah. <laughs> That I had heard the the correlation doesn't equal equal causation. causation. Mm -hmm. That he was the first one to say that to me. Mm. And so... But did you, you know, challenge him and say, you're saying this has nothing to do with the vaccine. How do you know? I did. I asked him that when he first told me that. When he first... The first doctor said that absolutely not, it was not the vaccine. We can't blame everything on the vaccine. And I said, but you just stood here and told me you don't know what it is. So how are you gonna tell me it's not the vaccine? And what, how, what did he say? He said, it's not the vaccine. So he, he, his response was, because I say so. Basically. You know, that works with a three-year-old. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. And so when is it that you um, actually, you know, started to connect there is something that is going on here in mainstream medicine where the vaccine is absolutely not even going to be looked at and, and we're really on our own mm-hmm. moving so forward. So we didn't, so I felt, I thought, did okay. Did you leave that night? Did you leave? We did, we did. I mean, they were kicking you out the door they basically. They kicked us out, yeah. There was, they told us they didn't have any beds for her. She had been in the ER for for two days and they said we had to go and and this is may of 2021 correct okay and so um i 
said some things to him and told him just to get my daughter ready, I was taking her home. Mm-hmm. And um, so I asked him for a neurologist uh, referral, and he said she doesn't need that. And I said, okay, that's your opinion. I want one. I want a mm-hmm. neurologist. So he said, okay. So he gave us the neurologist um, appointment or the referral. Yeah. So I called and made the appointment. Now, I felt like at that point that the doctors were just jerks. Mm-hmm. I just thought that they just didn't want to deal with her. And, you know, um, so that's why they had took us out of there. So we went to, uh, ended up going to the neurologist. And this is where I realized that they're not, they're not going to help us. Nobody's mm-hmm. helping us. Um, because you get in the room and they do the same thing again, the same kind of. Actually, all she did was um, hold she, your hands out. Or yeah, that's it. Just hold your hands out. Look up. Look down. Which little can't look up? She can't look down. She can't look to the right. Um, now, when you say that she can't, it's, it's this is hard for people to understand. To see because, it. Tell yeah, us a little bit about that. What, tell us what it looks like when she attempts to look up or to look down. So when she, we call them spastic tremors because she always has tremors. She has tremors like somebody who has Parkinson's. Which we can see right now. Right. And that's, that's what it looks like for most of the time is somebody who has Parkinson's. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but when these spastic tremors are, are triggered, it, her head is pulled to the back and it, like her whole balance, her whole body is pulled like she's falling backwards. And they and, become much more violent. Absolutely. And she looks like somebody who's having a seizure. And and did she do that in front of this neurologist? Did the neurologist yes. do the yes. multiple times actually? Multiple times. multiple times. And she did not seem concerned. No, no, not at all. In fact, she saw her for twenty minutes the first day and she had her do motor skills basically, you know, get up and walk. Um look up, look down, those kinds of things. Because one of my concerns was even when we were at Make Wake Med was that you know, when you can't look down, when you can't, one of the things that they ask you, can you touch your chin to your chest? Mm-hmm. She couldn't. Still can't. So, and she still can't. No, and she still can't. So, so I was like, and I even asked the doctor, are you going to do a spinal tap? He said, there's no need. But if you can't touch your chin to your chest, that's normally meningitis. They think meningitis and right. they're going to do a spinal tap. Well, they never did. She's never had one yet. And did you ask for the D-dimer at this point? I asked. No, I didn't. Um, when we went to the neurologist the first time, I didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so she had her do motor skills, those kinds of things. Was it then that you figured out that she had lost the ability to write? No. You had no, not we did yet not. figured this out. Yeah. Okay. So, so we were in there about 20 minutes. She had her do the motor skills. And she said, okay, I'll see you in 30 days. And I was like, wait, what are we talking about? And... I said, is there not, are you not going to do anything or what? And she said, well, no. And I said, there's nothing, no medication to stop the tremors, no nothing. She said, well, I can give you, what is it called? Uh, She gave her Benadryl, basically. Benadryl. Um, What was the point of that? We don't know. Hydroxazine. Hydroxazine. And that's what she gave her. And And it was to treat the symptoms? But we asked her. For it. We had to ask her for something to, to help her because she also has a hard time with a sleep rhythm. Like she, she doesn't have a good sleep. She sleeps two hours, she's awake, then she'll sleep an hour, then she's awake. 
So she has a hard time sleeping. Right. And when did that set in? Um, it, it was started from the very beginning. After she took the second shot. Right. As soon as she took the second shot, yes. So so she, um, we asked him for something to help her sleep and to also to stop, help with the tremors. And she goes, well, I, mean, I can give, it, give her this, but it's really not going to do much except for it does have a sedative in it and it'll help her sleep. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, that's fine. She said, we'll see you in 30 days. So I was like, okay, but we really didn't know what steps they were supposed to be taking either. I knew that she'd already had the MRIs. I already, I knew that she'd already had the EEG. So I didn't expect the neurologist to do those right away. Right. So did she tell you whether or not she had evaluated the tests that had been done at the hospital? Had she had a chance to review and, and everything came back normal? She said she agreed with all of it. Okay. That she said, um, I said, so, so you have seen those and she said yes I agree with all of it she said everything's fine she's fine I think your daughter um what she told us that day was um functional movement disorder and she needs to see a physical therapist and a therapist had you ever heard of functional movement disorder as a diagnosis for I had not and and I now looking back had I known what I know now we would not have seen her because she her specialty is functional movement disorder. Mm. So when she saw the tremors, of course, the first thing she is going to think, because that is her specialty, is functional movement disorder. Mm-hmm. And she would not look beyond that. So she wasn't vaccine. actually looking for a cause. No. She, okay. No. So Sarah, let me ask you this. You're at the neurologist. You're, you, you know, I know that you're in and out and they've given you various medications and you're not as aware when you're the person who's being experimented on. Right. So, but now, you know, with this neurologist, you're hearing her say functional movement disorder. You've heard, you know, this is psychological. Is, is there a point at which you start to doubt, you know, is, is this in my head? Is, is, am, did, did you ever doubt what you knew you were experiencing? Did you get scared that no one was listening? How are you feeling at this point? Um, I had a few moments where I was like, well, what if? this is all in my head and I'm just convincing myself that it's not. But when I sit back and realize, I'm like, why would I be doing that? Like, what is, what is the purpose? Right. Cause I've had, I've been like really upset over it and I've um, like had breakdowns over my twitches and it, it always brings me back to why would I cause this for myself? Right. 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 What would the point be? Right. Right. And when we were in the neurologist office, it felt kind of like everyone was just kind of blowing it off. Like it mm-hmm. wasn't, important to them so you it shouldn't matter to heard. Us. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And it wasn't it didn't no. it wasn't important to them. Meanwhile my whole life was being put on pause and everything was changing in like time warp speed. It was yeah. crazy. But you with the functional movement uh, disorder being the diagnosis, they then say, okay, best thing we can do at this point is physical therapy. Yes. Okay. That that's what she said. Physical therapy and she needs to see a therapist because she agreed with the with the, she needed to see the, the mental, mental, right. mental yeah. part of it. So, so uh, did you follow up with a therapist? So we, so what happened was we went to therapy, we went to physical therapy. Okay. Okay. Um, and they told us that they couldn't help her. They wow. said that, um, and basic, and this is what they, 
their words were, I don't know why they keep sending people to us with this because we can't help them. So there's more than one of you that they have sent. That's correct. Now, when they say, I don't know why they keep sending people, did you by chance say, do you mean people who've taken the vaccine and also look like my daughter? No, I, what I said was, so have you seen, because I showed them a video uh-huh. of her and I said, have you seen this? And they said, yes. Yes, we have. And we've seen more of it over the last year. So yeah. they, they confessed. So yeah. yeah, they, did. they is, didn't actually say they didn't, it. They didn't draw they're the seeing this line, and right. saying we can't help. And it, there's a correlation Correct. here. Correct. So now what? So now you're being told the, the, from the people who said they you. couldn't help you, we can't help you, but these people can help you. Now now you're being told even they, they can't, can't help, help you. So, okay. <clears throat> so I called back to Raleigh Neurology and I asked them, um, what do we do now? I mean, the physical therapist that she sent yeah. us to said that they can't help us. And she said, well, you can take her to mental health. And I said, but wait a minute. You guys had physical therapy. So we were about four days away from the 30 days to go back. So I said, okay, we're going to wait until we go back to the neurologist office. Okay. And we did. And so she does the little motor skills test again. And she says, okay, I'm going to see you in 30 days. And I'm like, no, wait, wait, let's stop so, here. Yeah. And I said, you know, you told us physical therapy. They told us they can't help us. What are we supposed to do? I want you to tell me what I need to do because and I told her, I said, I don't feel like she's being helped. And what did yeah. she say to this? And she said, well, this is my specialty. And she said, but I am doing, you know, I am, we are helping your daughter, but we just have to get her to a physical therapist. And I said, okay, but your physical therapist said they can't help us. And she, so she said, well, I mean, I can try and find another one or you can try and find one. So, um, I was mad and... So you asked for any more testing at this point? No, I did not at this visit. Um, This is the second one. Correct. So I did not and... But I did ask her, I said, what... Okay, so you say you'll see her in 30 days again. What are we waiting for? What is going to happen in 30 days? Mm -hmm. What are we waiting for? And she said, well, you know, let's just wait and see if she gets better or she gets worse in these 30 days. And so I was getting upset and her dad's all that was getting upset and so he was like let's just go let's just go so we did so then he's like i'm i'm worried about you getting this doctor upset we need her correct you thought you thought you needed her right because we can't because we had already after the first visit when we weren't happy with her had tried to find another neurologist but the neurologist are going they, they we would get a referral from her to another neurologist but they would go by what her yeah. It no, seems like they're all connected. They all are speaking to one another. It's like right. a narrative that they're all covering in a right. sense. And and so we were told, you know, well, we agree with her, you know. So we're really not going to do anything else different. Um, so, so I find a physical therapist who actually has been the only person who has really helped us, and and who who hasn't treated us like we were. Crazy. Right. We were crazy. Yes. But he, full disclosure says, I have no idea what I'm doing here, but I'm going to try to help. Absolutely. He, um, he likes to say that he doesn't look at diagnosis. He looks at symptoms for treatment. Mm -hmm. So, um, he actually recently has a student studying under him who like, um, sits in on my sessions for physical therapy. And he said, 
he actually mentioned like that I got the vaccine and then the three weeks later I had the twitches. And so he is the first healthcare professional that actually correlated and acknowledged. Okay. So tell us at what point did you guys come to understand the VAERS reporting system and (laughs) at what point your report was filed? Because one of the things that we explained to people is that the vast majority of healthcare, um, professionals that we speak to are unaware that the system exists. Many who are aware tell us that they are not allowed to report and many families like yours are not aware that it exists. And therefore, you know, Harvard studies throughout the years have always suggested that only 1% of adverse events actually get reported. And so it's very easy to see why that is because you guys are now several months post injury and you've yet to meet anybody that has said, we need to file a VAERS report for no, Sarah. No, nobody has told us that they... To this day. None of the hospitals had told us that they would. I filed the VAERS report. How did you hear about it? So, I I just... I was trying to find something to help her because we weren't getting any help and I knew that nobody was going to help us. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, every day, you know, I work anywhere from 8 to 10 hours a day. And I go home and I get on the computer and... I just researched. Yeah. And so... Did you even know where to start? I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. Um, I didn't even know to call it a vaccine injury. Yeah. I, I didn't know what to call it. I did, you know, um, I just put that she was hurt by the, you know, that she had had the vaccine and that she was um, experiencing these symptoms. Um, and I was having a really hard time finding it. But we started a Facebook page and as uh, Little's Fight. We started it and we started it actually because we were getting so many family and friends that were that were asking us, how's she doing? What did the doctor say? And all of these things. And we we just couldn't keep up. And yeah. so we started a Facebook page and um, we had friends of friends who were saying, hey, try this and try this. So then somebody had mentioned theirs. Okay. And that's how... That's uh, how this world has kind of evolved right. for you. They asked, uh, had I reported to the CDC, the FDA, and to fair to VAERS. And to be clear, she had, I don't think we talked about this, she had the Pfizer. Right. She, she had two she, doses yeah. of Pfizer. And tell them what VAERS is. VAERS is Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System. Right. And um, ha- did anyone, you know, say to you, and by the way, you also need to report to Pfizer because she's this, she's really in a clinical yes. trial here. Yes. So okay. the same person did say, you know, okay. um, report it yes. to them. And so I did. I reported to the CDC, the FDA, Pfizer, and VAERS. Okay. Um, and so Pfizer, they tell you to call Pfizer and VAERS both. VAERS says on their site that, it, you know, if you have updates to, to you go back in under right, your number and you update it. And um, Pfizer says if you have, because you call, I called them. Um, and so I called them and I told them what was going on. And then they said, okay, if you have updates, call us. So um, I called uh, Pfizer back when we started realizing that there were more things that, that she couldn't do, that mm-hmm. things that were triggering these, what we call the spastic tremors. And um, they couldn't find her report. And I called VAERS and they couldn't find her report. Um, Did they have an explanation for where the, where her report had gone? Because you even had the number, right? So you right. Knew- so, so I had the number to the um, VAERS report. Okay. Now, 
Pfizer just sends you an email that says that it has been reported. Gotcha. So I had that number and I sent it to him and, uh, or I asked him when I called back, I said, I wanted to update this, uh, you know, her, her report at Pfizer. This is when I was calling Pfizer. Okay. And so they asked me for her name and her birth date and they said that they couldn't find it. So I said, um, I said, well, okay, let me ask you this. Do you have, have you heard of any of these same symptoms from anybody who has gotten the vaccine? Mm-hmm. And they said, no. And I said, that's a lie. You have at least one because I've already filed hers. And she said, no, ma'am, we don't have a report for her. You had to have filed it with somebody else. Did she? And she actually tried to say, Janssen, did I file it with Janssen? Like you wouldn't have been intelligent enough exactly. to know which phone number to call. Exactly. And so, did you make sure that her that she got resubmitted to Pfizer? Well, yes. Yeah. Because what I did is I asked her. I said, "Ma'am, are you sitting by a fax machine?" <laughs> and she said, "Yes, we have one in our office." And I said, "Stay right there," because when they sent me the confirmation oh, that that they had received her report, I had I, I was at work and I printed it off. So I faxed it to her and I said, does that look familiar? What'd she say? She said, oh, I have her pulled up now. Wow. She said, I'll update this. She was, all, she was there all along. They just wanted you to prove it again. Right. So you get her submitted again. She's back in the system live again. Right. So then I go to their VAERS reporting system. On, it's the same right. day. I go to the VAERS reporting system. Now, VAERS gives you a number, yeah. a specific a report number. report number, yeah. So I go on there and I'm putting this number and it keeps telling me that it's not taking the number. It's not taking the number. So then I, I called the, called a number and, um, have to wait forever. But then they finally, you know, somebody answers the phone and I said, okay, I'm trying to update her report, but I can't get in. And she said, what's the number? And I said, like, I read her the number that was sent to me and in the email. And she said, well, that's, it's not a good number. And I said, okay. Here we go again. Are you by a fax machine? You know, and so we went through the whole thing again, but she still could not find it. Even if you sent her proof. Correct. And, and, and had you heard prior to this that there have been reports that VAERS has scrubbed 50, 100,000 no. some odd? Have you, have you learned this Did since Did you know then? that? No. Yeah. Just now. yeah, 50 to 100,000 are, are some of what the, mm-hmm. what the whistleblowers are suggesting. So your story... We've heard many times. So, so, so just walk us through what what were the progressions of things that she stopped being able to do that you wanted to update? Because initially your report was really specific to ticks and tremors, right? Right. So, they, so they're not ticks. Um, they said, you know, that's one thing that we we all agreed on the neurologist and us is that they're not ticks. Okay. That twitches were the they're tremors. tremors. Okay. Right. So your initial thought report, were chills, but these are yeah. body yeah. tremors. Those body are shutters. Tremors. Right. Yeah. So. so your initial report included just headaches, tremors, and, and um, not even the shutters because at, at that time we hadn't put those okay. together with it, but, mm-hmm. but so yes. What is it that, that, you know, progressed to where you thought, okay, we've now learned there's enough more going on with her that we need well, to update it, it didn't really progress. It was stuff that we hadn't noticed gotcha. that, that, you know, because she, we thought sick, you know, she was sick. Um, she was in bed a lot, so we weren't really noticing she wasn't in school. She wasn't doing normal things, you know. Um, and she wasn't in school because it was summer. Right, it was yeah. summertime. So, 
So she... Um, Doing what teenagers do when they don't feel good, sleep more. Yeah, right. Because yeah, they already sleep. Time, right. you know? so, yeah. So one thing, I, I think the first thing that I, I was going to report to them was that we noticed that, um, that if she's in the car and you turn on the radio, her head bounces to the rhythm of the music. Without you doing it intentionally. Correct. Correct. Yes. My um, tremors will go in rhythm with the music. She's never she's never had rhythm in her life that she does now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. The small things we can right. talk about, right? And so and and this, and this is true to this day. Yes, yes, it is. And and so um that kind of, you know, caught me off guard and I said, "Well, they told me to report anything different, so I was going to report that." That was the first time that I called them was to report the fact that we noticed that these tremors were rhythmic and that they whatever noises were going on around her. They would synchronize. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and then there was the visual with the watch. We had a watch that the face spun, and that would also cause my my tremors to go along with it. Uh So it was also visual with um, the spinning or, like, bright lights and things like that. Right. The spinning was really, um, it was a spinner watch. And uh-huh. so when you spun it, um, that really, because her head couldn't keep up with it, wow. you know, and so. And then there was a point in which she quit driving because right. you came to understand. Well, so the first time that I went to report was because of these, because we noticed right. that the, the movement and so the noise. Okay. Was, so we noticed that. So then they told me that he couldn't find it. So Vera said, well, we're just going to open another report because this number is no good. Okay, fine. Well, then we noticed that um, she couldn't look up or look down um, because it does cause the spastic tremors. So uh, I went back to report again, and they couldn't find Pfizer nor VAERS could could find her report again. This is number three. This is number three, right. So... um, Again, with theirs, I had to re-report But this again. isn't a coincidence. Um, no, all. not three oh. times. Mm-mm. You know. Oh, my gosh. So if so. you're listening to this and you have made a VAERS report, one of the lessons that, that we're learning right now Check. is print, right? And yes. facts. Yes. So that you have, have evidence and a record because you cannot trust either Pfizer or three-letter word government well, agencies heard, right. to be actually no. There's 50 to 100,000 that were on there that people did capture, and that's that part are gone. Of the ongoing yeah. Right, because, and that's what I was going to say, is even if you do that, do that, because you may be able to, to force their hand, but it doesn't mean that they're going to find it, because Varys mm-hmm. told us that, oh, we'll just start another one. But that, mm-hmm. it seems convenient that they're taking down the old ones and just replenishing it mm-hmm. with a new number. So. Mm-hmm. It's corrupt. Yeah. It's, it's right. right in your face, corruption. Right. So, so then we noticed that she couldn't look up or down. Um, and then we, uh, we noticed that she, it, it mostly affects her right side. Which we talked about. You right. got the injection in which side? My left side. Left side, so but it's, it's her right, right side. Correct. That is the most and interestingly, mm-hmm. we're hearing that from mm-hmm. a lot of people. That so, it's, yeah, so she could look to the left. Um, you know, she could hold her shoulder stationary and she could look to the left and it wouldn't trigger the, the tremors as bad. But if she looked to the right, she would have the spastic tremors. And we realized then that she can't drive. Gotcha. Um, because she can't. How has that affected you? You're 16. 
right? And that's probably the, the biggest thing for all 16-year-olds is getting a driver's license. How, how Talk about that. That's she hard. was a week away from getting it. Yeah. So when all of this started, I was a week away from getting my license. Yeah. And I completely stopped driving after the first, after the first night in the hospital. So um, when I found, when I figured out that like, oh, I can't do all of these things, it just kind of, it all hit me at once yeah. because I'd been living through this for weeks at that mm. point. Yeah. But all of a sudden it was like, wait, I'm truly living a different life from my friends and my like other teenagers my age because like I can't drive. I work is really hard for me right now. Yeah. And like going out and hanging out with people is exhausting for me. Mm-hmm. Like I can only stay cool. for a couple hours and then I'll go home and crash. And yeah. I just, I'm so tired all the time. And yeah. she has, you know, three physical therapist appointments a week. And uh, up until last week, she had four chiropractor appointments a week. And so, you know, it's, it's school work and appointments, school work and appointments, and that's all she can do. So, um, she, she also has the, the four physical or the four chiropractic appointments. And so she, what do those look like? What is that, that the chiropractor, you know, feels like can be done for her? Well, it's just because the muscles in her neck are always tight, Mm -hmm. um, it has the neck it hit i guess that the top part of her spine actually um it has caused stress on that mm-hmm. and then also her shoulders and her back mm-hmm. and so he basically adjusts her gotcha. when she goes so it sort of gets you through the day maybe relieves a little mm-hmm. bit of pain but none of this has subsided at oh, all oh no it's never it just- stopped all, the only thing the chiropractor really does is helps make my shoulders and my neck feel less tense, but mm-hmm. there's still that soreness and there's still that um, tremor. It just kind of helps alleviate some of the pain. And again, prior to this, you were not in chiropractic care. You didn't not have at all. back and neck pain. No. You were no. not. So this chiropractor and your therapist, has any of them ever talked to you about nutrition? Um, not no. really, no. no. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, one of our... Uh, our heart in in meeting with you guys was not only to get your story out, but to hopefully connect you to some of the the good doctors out there that are going to work towards healing. Mm -hmm. Um, Because right now what is is being done is they're they're trying to treat your symptoms, which is totally understandable and is compassionate. But, you know, one of the questions right now is how do we help people who are vaccine injured? Right. And, and, you know, because these mRNA vaccines, um, gene therapies we really don't call them vaccines because as right. you know it's a gene therapy right. not a vaccine but um the there is a lot of question right now about about the healing right how do we right. help heal and so we have we have some thoughts on that and want to make some connections but sarah i want to ask you if you you know could say anything to you know if this was your chance to be in front of you know thousands of kids your age mm-hmm. What is the message that you would want them to hear? I would want to tell them to think hard about the side effects of getting the vaccine. Just to know the facts, do your own research. Don't just listen to what's being fed to you. Mm -hmm. Do your own research and weigh out, is this really worth it? If you had it to do over again, what would 
you do if you could go back? Would you have researched more? Would you have maybe had some, some conversations with your own family doctor? Would you have had more conversations with your parents? One of the interesting things about your family is that you made the statement that both you and her dad mm-hmm. had made the decision that you were not going to get Correct. the vaccine. And talk a little bit about that. Why have you decided, you had decided prior to her injury that you weren't going to do this, right? Correct. Correct. And why? I just didn't feel like there was enough time that these these had been studied enough to know what the long-term effects were going to be. And, you know, we're not, um, I mean, we, we've all been vaccinated, mm-hmm. but we're not, we're, we don't use a lot of medication, mm-hmm. you know, Tylenol and ibuprofen. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's so, interesting too, because prior to this, it's not even like you had had any clinical diagnoses. You were not using pharmaceuticals. You're not no, on, no. you know, any kind of medications, no. ongoing prescriptions, right? No. Which is, is even more astounding that no one would draw a direct line between what's going on with her and the vaccine. Because right. it's not like there's a plethora of comorbidities that's, here. Well, that's how they figured out the myocarditis in the younger teenage boys, mainly. But mm-hmm. what that was going on is when you're older, you have a lot of noise in the background. Maybe right. obesity, you have um, diabetes, you have different things. Well, there's no noise generally behind teenagers and children. No. They're no. fairly, usually fairly healthy unless there are some sort was. of... She's very healthy, you know. And yeah, you were sharing with us prior to this, your favorite, you know, thing to do athletically was to box, right? Yeah. And and so is that, you know, obviously you miss driving. You you must miss boxing. It sounds like it was a huge part of your life. I miss it more than driving, yeah. definitely. Um, I tried to go back because my coach was willing to work with me, similar to how my physical therapist was. Yeah. And... Um, a couple weeks in they were sparring and that was my favorite thing to do all the time I love to fight I love to spar and it was like me and a bunch of guys and we would all spar and I would fight like the guys and I would just I loved it and I had to sit out for three hours and just kind of watch everyone else fight and I couldn't yeah and that was the first time that you had ever experienced that right yes yes um because when I first started boxing my coach has this rule where less than a year and a half of fight of like training and he wouldn't let anyone fight he had me fighting in six months wow so so did it surprise even you that you couldn't do it did you just think i'm gonna i'm gonna jump back in here and i'm gonna be i'm gonna overcome yes yeah and i definitely tried and i tried to convince him but he was like no because if you get hit in the head then we don't know what's gonna happen yeah yeah you know, and that has been the hardest thing for her. Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about your faith. Are you wrestling with God? Are you wrestling with your own decision? Um, what is, you know, what's it look like for you in the middle of the night right now? I've definitely turned to God a lot more than I have in the past. We've always been religious, mm-hmm. but um, I've definitely started praying more. Yeah. And my best friend, she is very deeply Christian. Mm-hmm. Like. She goes to church every Sunday. She prays before almost anything she does, even if it's just playing a video game. She mm. prays. Wow. So I have, we um, went to church when I was younger a lot more, and we've always believed in God. We've been Christian, but we've never, we recently haven't really done a lot of the very extremely religious things. Yeah. Like You've reconnected. Yeah. And okay. I've. I've been talking to my friend a lot, and me and her, like, we FaceTime all the time because mm. she's my best friend. Yeah. And I've been talking to her a lot more about it and about, like, how I want to reconnect with my faith again. Because, mm-hmm. you know, growing up as a kid, you kind of drift away from that. Sure. Mm-hmm. And especially as a teenager, and then 
I've recently come to realize I, I need God. I need, yeah. I need Jesus in my life That's right. to help me through this. That's right. So, you know, Romans eight twenty eight says God works all things together for the good of those mm-hmm. who love him and are called according to his mm-hmm. purpose. Are you starting to figure out that God's got a plan here, even if you can't see it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've just kind of learned to sit back and let whatever happens happen because mm-hmm. there's some plan. There's a reason for this. There's yeah. a reason that we were put through this. And yeah. I think that the reason is for us to get the word out and to help other people in my situation. Yeah. You know, I, I did it. Um, at first, I was angry. I was so angry. And um, the Lord and I had a conversation. And, you know, for several times I asked, why? Why did you do this? Why? Why did it have to be her? You know, yeah. I mean, why did it have to be mine? Mm-hmm. And um, when the page went when her Facebook page went viral and so many people were on there saying, because of your story, you know, I'm not letting my, my 12 year old take it or my 14 year old take it. And I, you know, I said, well, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the why moment, you know, that, that now we know why. And, you know, every single time somebody reaches back out and says, Hey, because of your story, you, you, potentially saved another life do you think well maybe in the end I'll feel like this was worth it mm-hmm. yeah um my favorite thing to tell people is that God only gives us as much as we can handle yeah so I know I can get through this I know we can get through this and I just know it'll be worth it yeah and so um how are you mama <laughs> um good yeah. good um I have, I'm so proud of her. So yeah. proud. She is so strong. We can and, see why. We can. And, you know, I just, um, I still question it. I still want to, you know, I just want to wake up and all of it to be gone. Yeah. I want to wake up and it be, you know, April the 5th or April the 6th. Yeah. And, you know, not, not like this. And, um. I see how hard it is for her. Yeah. You know, and so it's it's hard, but we know that, you know, we'll make it. If this yeah. is our new normal, then it's our new normal, mm-hmm. and we just make the best of it. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that our listeners probably can't see is the amazing sense of humor that we still have. <laughs> and um, they, were, they were telling us that they get, have made it this far by being able to laugh. And, yes. Um, and we actually, you know, the Bible says laughter do with the heart good like medicine. And yes. there's a lot of truth to that. And, um, you know, we, I always say that if an hour goes by and I haven't laughed and cried, it's been a weird hour. So <laughs> we totally connected with yes. you guys when we, when we first met. But, um, and our heart is to... To, to be a resource for you as well and um, to help try to heal you from the inside out. Yeah, and just thank you so much for sitting down with us and sharing your story and um, being brave. It, yes. it, you've come up against a little <laughs> bit of what it's like just to have the conversation. You know, it's like you said, you're not waving the anti-vaxxer banner quite yet, but yeah. you did make an interesting statement. You said, you know, having having been through what we've been through and, you know, now questioning and and finding right. answers that we had never looked for before you said you don't think you'll ever take another vaccine no no and she won't 
which, no. you know, just, just that, you know, you've probably already figured out that, you know, that pretty much puts you in the anti-vaxxer camp and people are right. going to, you know, be, yeah. be threatening you with that and label. That's okay. Yeah. And that's what I was just going to say is that, you know, wear it proudly. Yeah. You know, yeah. maybe, yeah. maybe you're not ready for the shirt yet, <laughs> but we'll get you one here sooner yeah. or later. Right. And, um, but I mean, really it takes a lot of courage to, to tell your story and to come up against, I think a lot of the stuff that I'm, I know for a fact you've come up against. And the gospel it. has made us brave to get out in public and stand unabashedly against all of that propaganda that's been coming right, right now. We've yeah. done it for years prior to this, but we haven't backed down from any of it. And let me tell you, we've, we've got a target on our backs, but we don't care mm-hmm. because we want to be able to stop this from happening, Yeah, right. which is what we tried to do legislatively before any of this ever came down. And none of the politicians in the state of North Carolina would actually stand with us. But you know what? Sometimes it takes Except a for six, one. Sometimes it takes a sixteen year old to stand up <laughs> right. and, be, and be the voice on the yeah. right side of history. And it I does. think that's the the part of your story that is so inspiring. And we always say that courage is contagious. It's more mm-hmm. contagious than cowardice. And so on And your you're our work, future. Absolutely. This is why we do this. All yeah. you and I, all of the adults here, we have been doing this for, for our children to learn. Um, what what the dangers are in the world since the time we've had them, but also for all of us to fight to get the information out for all of the uh, the younger children. Yeah, and one of the, thing, the things that Bobby Kennedy says is that um, the thing that stands between a child and all of the corruption in industry is the mama. And so we <laughs> thank you for being a warrior mama. Thank and, you for um, us. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, anybody comes at you, and now you got our phone numbers. Right. <laughs> Don't lose them. All right, so we're yeah, going right. to sign off. Thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. Thank you.